Humanity is growing and connecting. Tomorrow's world needs more energy from more places. But to find our net zero future, we must overcome the natural constraints of many new energy sources. This is the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, where we look at the energy challenges of modern life and the innovators finding solutions. Join us for a low-carbon, high-energy conversation with your host, Joe Battier. This views of the host are his own and should not be viewed as those of any business, corporation, or government entity. Hello, and welcome to the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast brought to you by AWS Energy. I'm your host, Joe Battier. This is the show where we bring you low-carbon, high-energy stories from the people solving the energy challenges of modern life. Right now, I am recording from Sarah Week by S&P Global. I am here with Hassan Kasouf. The I've already forgotten your title. You just told me. I'll let you introduce. Yeah, I lead worldwide innovation programs for energy. Worldwide. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Joe. Yes, thank you. So today, I am here with. Hassan from AWS Energy. By now, all of my guests know that AWS Energy sponsors this here podcast. Many of you know that Amazon as a whole is actively decarbonizing, and many energy companies are actively working on the AWS cloud, optimizing their respective energy-related technology solutions. I think what is less known is that AWS is not just hosting cloud services for companies. They are actively working with companies, working in the clean energy space to help them develop and optimize tools and solutions to help decarbonize the world. Part of this is through the Clean Energy Accelerator program, now in its second iteration. And this is a fresh announcement that you just made last week. So I'm excited to talk through this and talk about the Accelerator program. So Hassan, thank you for joining me today on the show. If you would please share with me and the audience your background and introduce us to AWS Energy and the Clean Energy Accelerator 2.0. Thank you, Joe. We're really excited about this announcement. This is the second program for the second year in a row. And uh, the AWS Clean Energy Accelerator 2.0 is uh, it's a unique mentorship and co-innovation opportunity that targets mature or advanced startups. Uh, and it's one of our key efforts uh, to help address the innovation gap that is available for uh, achieving net zero goals by our customers. Um, as you know, the, some of the world's most uh, innovative, successful, disruptive uh, startups uh, build on AWS. You may recognize some names like Lyft, Stripe, Slack, Klarna, Grab, Netflix, Airbnb, and DoorDash. Those are among some of the companies who built their businesses on AWS and then went on to help define their industries. So we are thinking audaciously, we're thinking big, and this is our aspiration to create this new generation of startups uh, that can define and shape the clean energy industry of the future. Very cool. And that is very exciting to hear here, not only the, the companies that everybody knows, but realizing that the way that we are approaching and really the way AWS is approaching the energy transition and, and the innovation of energy is by helping solve these problems through things like the Accelerator program. Now, one thing that I've seen online and that I've seen here in the booth at Sarah Week is this culture of innovation. Can you 
go high level, what is this culture of innovation of innovation that is referred to? Yeah, so when we think about um, you know what what is the differentiator we bring to the startups in the accelerator, it includes a set of um, um, of tools that we have, including mentor mentoring them to scale their business and connecting them with uh, some of our biggest energy customers. Uh, and at the same time, you know, uh, startups, entrepreneurs, it's uh, innovation is in their DNA. And so one thing we'd like to uh, impart is uh, our own um, uh, DNA of innovation through our own culture of innovation, uh, which is quite unique. And, and um, if you think about it from um, at, at the, an organizational level, I think, you know, there are two if you think about it along two axes, one is the hardware of organizations and one is the software of organizations. And at the software piece of the organization, we have uh, the, the people and the culture. Uh, and really, there are certain building blocks for that culture, uh, including the way we innovate. There's, a, there's one core pillar for that, which is uh, our working backwards PRFAQ approach. What does that really mean? It means that we always work backwards from the needs of our customer, and we, we, we uh, uh, create uh, a vision into the future through like a future press release of what that solution would look like. Hmm. Um, and we help, that helps um, the participants in this exercise to not just visualize and think big about what they can achieve into the future, but also it forces them to think of all the elements, all the gaps that are needed. More, you know, some in most cases in a written form where they actually write, uh, they go through the narratives, they write things on paper. Wow. Um, and seeing this happen, this, seeing that process unfold, forces uh, us to think of all the elements, all the gaps uh, to get there, while inspiring to think about uh, the, the vision for the future. There are also other elements that I'm happy to expand on, but this is one of the core pillars of that um, culture of innovation. So following this idea of collaboration and innovation and helping helping bring about these these solutions i would presume that that is kind of where the accelerator program got its inception a little more detail what is the accelerator program right so back to this working backwards approach which we uh, our, ourselves also implemented and that was uh, uh, part of our you know broader amazon approach to to developing solutions uh, we started with this uh, understanding that there's still a big gap to achieve net zero goals. And, mm -hmm. and, and uh, we looked at um, you know, certain statistics that, that, that by the International Energy Agency, among others, that stipulate that you know, upwards of about 40% of CO2 uh, emissions reductions needed for us to uh, even get close to, to maintaining the 1.5 degrees Celsius uh, warming Wow. Uh, limit by 2050 uh, it needs to come from technologies that have not even been invented yet mm -hmm. and if you add the co2 emission reductions that need to come from other technologies that are still very early in prototype uh, or even early commercialization uh, stage um, you would notice that that's that's over two-thirds of that has to come from technology that's still not very mature and so mm -hmm. we try to think in that that term of what are the things that we can help to, um, to bridge that gap. And here's where that um, came from. Another, uh, another motivator for this, uh, for this program is also embedded in our culture of innovation, which is, focuses on our customer obsession. 
Uh, we listen to our customers, um, and uh, we have a best practice in in, uh, in AWS, which is, you know, around 90% of our solutions uh, are we build based on uh, what we hear from our customers mm. of what matters to them. Wow. And then the remaining 10% is uh, we, we build them based on what they can't necessarily articulate, but what we've read, read between the lines of what they yep. need. And our customers have also been vocal around um, needing support, collaboration to get to that uh, net zero um, goal, which is, which is a, it's not an easy goal to get to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it is, it is a, it's an ambitious, it is an important goal, but it is very ambitious. And I think it, it's, it is unique in, I think, seeing a, a large company like Amazon and AWS specifically looking in and providing solutions and helping their clients, but then also thinking about ways that they can see what the issues are with a, with a client and with having them being able to implement a solution and offering that advice of saying, this is how I think you can maybe do it better, what, what we're seeing that you're having trouble with. Right, and I mean, we're here at Sarah Week, and mm-hmm. uh, we're hearing from uh, all the decision makers, uh, CEOs of energy uh, companies, ministers of yep. energy, um, um, uh, public sector and private sector. And, and one thing that keeps coming through, which is, yes, there is consensus that um, there's a commitment towards net zero goals, whether that's by 2040 or 2050. Uh, but they're also acknowledging that, look, we may not necessarily know exactly how to get there, yeah, um, we may know how to get maybe halfway there or two thirds uh, the way, but there's still something to figure out. Yeah, and we want to double click on that. That's something to figure out is not something minor. And then go back to the statistics that I shared with yep. you, right? Uh, so, what are the investments that are we're doing today tactically beyond just the uh, pledge aspect? Mm-hmm. What is what are the tangible things that we can start doing to promote an organic growth? Yeah, uh, an, uh, an organic uh, ecosystem of innovation that that can take this um, um, the work on clean energy to the next level. Yeah, both in terms of technology development, but also deployment. Yep, yep, yeah, and I I think that 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 basically explains why there would be an accelerator program because there's there's all of these smart minds here at Sarah Week, all of these great innovations, but say half of them that I saw are still pre-commercial. And that's whether it's hardware, whether it's software, whether it's a software as a service, very many of them are here with a great idea. And I get super excited listening to them. But then you find out that, that they may be another five or 10 years before they think they will be commercial. And that's why, why partnerships and, and why accelerator programs are so important. Correct, and and uh, just on to to uh, close the loop on that. I mean, the the challenge sometimes is not just technical. The challenge uh, is in many ways a leadership channel, uh, mm-hmm. challenge. Uh, and, and here's where the culture of innovation comes to play uh, and, and makes a big difference on who succeeds and who doesn't. Uh, and and here's where things like leadership principles that we try to convey to to those startups, which is our which are our own Amazonian leadership principles. Uh, are also a part of the recipe. They were part of the recipe that allowed us to be successful, and we want to share that recipe for you know in, in a humble way and mm-hmm. uh, for whoever wants to um, uh, to learn from that. 
And I, I'll share a few examples of those. And, and this is, these are some of the vibrant discussions that we have as part of the accelerator programming. And when mm -hmm. we talk to founders and their challenges and their, their, their people who make mistakes and experiment uh, and want to hear, hear from success and failure stories. And some of the things we share is, look, look through our journey, uh, there are some guiding principles that help us. And um, I'll give you a few examples. And these are not like a mission statement we hang on the wall. It's really... Uh, almost like uh, our social covenant where it, it, it defines how we interact and make decisions. Yeah. Just for a few examples. Uh, one of our leadership uh, principle um, is uh, bias for action. Uh, we think that speed disproportionately matters in business. Uh, mm -hmm. And so then what does that mean in terms of decisions? Do we get stuck uh, in, in uh, analysis paralysis or do we move fast? Here's where we leverage uh, our concept of the two-way door uh, decisions, which is, hmm. look, most of the decisions that are need to be taken in business um, are two-way doors. As in, you take the decision, and if it's not right, you can still walk it back without huh. significant impact. There's there are only very few uh, one-way decisions that you just make the decision and it's it's huh. it's done. And yeah. so um, that allows us to to move fast um, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's an important point that that may may not always be seen by by a startup. And I I know even from from my perspective, in the smaller the smaller the company is that I've worked in, or the the limited resources that I've had, I've always felt like okay, every decision is the most important next decision. Exactly. Whereas it, as you say, very many of those are very simply just if you if you make a mistake or if you realize that this isn't the way I want to go, you can go back out. And in some scenarios, all you've really lost is a little bit of time on on innovating or a little bit of of expensive learning, as I put it. <laughs> yeah, and and look, maybe we're divesting here, but these are principles that are good guiding principles, even in relationships. And I use those a lot, even at home. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I think my spouse hates me for that sometimes. But you know, I use the words bias for action, ownership, uh, disagree and commit, uh, and, and they really uh, are a helpful frame of of, of interaction across a number of of situations. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and uh, the other point that I would add is, you know, the, we, sh we share this uh, anxiety with founders, and I'm going to expand on that a little bit, because we are a company of builders. We hire builders, mm -hmm. as in we, we, we hire uh, people who are um, uh, anxious about the status quo. They're dissatisfied with the status quo. They want to change it. Mm -hmm. And I think founders generally have that sort of... Uh, drive they have that yeah. drive to change something right it comes you know to be able to build something from scratch it has to come from a deeper uh uh level of this dissatisfaction and so yep. i think we have empathy for that and and uh, we're relatable and we can help accelerate that from a, from a point of empathy mm -hmm. yeah so going back to the accelerator program with this this is the second iteration what is the difference between the first program that i think finished about six to eight months ago, where you you had the showcase of the the finalists, and now now this program that that is open for applications right now. 
Yeah, so um, apart from the, you know, what we mentioned earlier around these organic conversations and connections, it's also, there are certain concrete things that startups need and they get, including, uh, uh, you know, credits in terms of monetary credits to be able to uh, become more digital um, in, in a faster way. Uh, most, I would say, uh, most of our startups in our network are digital native and a lot of startups are thinking about being digital native as a, as a way of uh, being a differentiator. And so the startup provides the, 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 the incentives in terms of monetary incentives to help them get up to, up, up to speed in mm. terms of their digital capabilities, but also the mentorship to build that infrastructure. Um, the startups also get uh, obviously that, that unique opportunity to connect with real um, uh, customers, energy players, uh, you know, Fortune 100 uh, players and, and work with them on their challenges, understand the challenges at a deeper level to, to accelerate piloting, which is the segue to get an yeah. adoption of that technology. Uh, and they also get um, the ability to connect between themselves as, you know, mm. learning from, uh, from, from their peers. Yeah. Um, and I would add the difference from the first accelerator and this accelerator is that uh, we learned a lot from from our experiment with this new model of of collaboration, right? I mean, we we kicked off in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> the the entire uh, program had to be compressed and and, wow. and ran run v- virtually, uh, substituting all these organic interactions that normally ha- happen face to face online. But then we also realized that look, there's some some really valuable things that came out of this model that mm-hmm. we should keep. Um, so once we started designing the next program, uh, we realized that it will be more effective if we have a hybrid sort of system okay. uh, where we keep some of the, um, the, the efficient virtual, learning. virtual learnings over a number of weeks and then uh, add some sort of uh, in-person elements okay. that, that bring that interaction uh, to life. Yeah. With the, with the accelerator program, what are the the success stories that you can share from the first accelerator program? Yeah, so um, and and I'll get that to me. But one thing I also wanted to add regarding the uh, uh, the accelerator is that other uh, learnings also from from the first iteration um, were uh, you know the the localized programming uh, based on the fact that we had a lot of startups applying from Europe, a lot of customers. Who have presence in, in North America, but also from Europe, uh, uh, you know, nudged us to to think about the impact of running more specialized accelerator that focus, uh, you know, maybe on specific topics mm. like hydrogen or carbon okay. capture or carbon accounting, but also uh, in in certain certain regions like Europe uh, or North America or Asia Pacific. Uh, and so, while an element of that program is virtual in this in the second iteration, as in it's still attracting global startups. We're focusing on specific needs and challenges of mainly European customers that could also be challenges for global customers, but you know, in a little bit more targeted manner. Um, some of the interesting things that started happening organically in the first um, in the first um, uh, accelerator were, you know, these uh, pilot proposals that were happening. Uh, between customers and, and startups around. And, and a, uh, an interesting piece of information is that one of our customers, we, we were, when we were uh, tr- you know, talking to them to see what are their actual needs, and, and we were trying to be uh, 
conscious of of bringing them startups, advanced startups in our in our vast yeah. networks that is that are close to them. And they yeah. said, no, no, we we don't want startups from 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 here because we've already stalked all these startups. Oh. We want you to expose us to a different wow. perspectives and 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 startups from other parts of the world. And so we did exactly that. Hmm. And so they were kind of challenged to to look at solutions that otherwise they may have not been exposed to. Yeah. And that led to uh, you know uh, pilot conversations around uh, you know introducing maybe taking some uh, some learnings from uh, the uh, hydrogen uh, infrastructure uh, startup in terms of like fueling yeah. and stations and think of taking it from California and implementing it somewhere in Iberia. Okay. Um, some other, uh, for example, that startup in Europe, that uh, customer in Europe focused also on. A startup that's based in Turkey that was working on, um, you know, energy trading, um, right. an energy trading uh, platform. Yeah, um, and and there are other examples uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's really cool. I I do want to ask one more question about the accelerator. You were mentioning that it was so. Now you're looking at focusing in on region specific solutions. Does that mean that there are there are going to be multiple different groups or kind of cohorts of the accelerator that are region specific and region focused? Uh, I think there's going to be. I would say the 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 challenges are global, but with a could be a regional focus or a regional uh, impact. Uh, okay. For example, it's easy for us to think of you know offshore. Um, wind energy in the Nordics or, yeah. uh, you know, energy, uh, hydrogen generation in uh, Singapore or, or Japan or Australia mm-hmm. um, or solar energy in the Middle East. So yeah. uh, it doesn't mean that the challenges are still global. I mean, global organizations yeah. still benefit from solving those challenges. These are industry level challenges. And that is our goal to solve industry level challenges. But I think there could be opportunities to implement some of those solutions in areas that are more advanced in these technologies yeah. uh, to help us uh, scale that globally in a, in a faster manner. Okay, okay, that makes sense. And one more question, a lot, you said that the majority of the startups were digitally native, but you also mentioned things like hydropower. Are any of the startups hardware focused or is it really, really the goal is something that can benefit from cloud computing being hosted on AWS, et cetera? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we had a, a, by design, we had a part of the cohort that um, included startups were, that were hardware focused. For example, we had a startup called uh, Ionomer. Uh, they develop advanced um, uh, materials for membranes uh, that oh, okay. go into hydrogen electrolyzers or can be used in uh, carbon capture. Okay. Uh, and you know, obviously, they were thinking of uh, building the digital layer. So we start, even though they may not be digitally native, uh, but it's part of the roadmap to yeah. build a digital layer that that looks at the health and analytics, yeah. either of the development process or the the product itself, and how it yeah. integrates with the system. Um, another um, another startup that was part of the program was Easing, uh, which is a Canada-based startup. Uh, that works. That focuses on long-duration battery storage uh, by using uh, the the changes in the state of matter of zinc to store uh, energy okay. for a longer for longer periods of time. And again, they there's there's a, an opportunity to 
uh, evolve digitally. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we had other startups who were already uh, digital native, like Persephone, uh, which is a software as a service solution focused on climate uh, uh, and carbon accounting and um, and and modeling. Um, and so then the support would be to to get them exposed to more advanced services in terms of analytics, AI, and machine learning uh, that get, help them get more intelligent and smarter. Obviously, they had already been uh, purview to the to the value of being on the cloud and, yeah. and how that helps them experiment faster and yeah. reduce their cost. Uh, and so we were hoping that that would incrementally help them advance to the to the next level. Yeah, yeah, and I th- that makes a lot of sense. A lot of the guests that I've had on in the past, and really whenever whenever I'm talking to people who are developing a a hardware piece of machinery, ultimately that first step is either AutoCAD or some type of computational fluid dynamics and and ultimately all of that is easier to do on the cloud so it really makes sense to have even if you're developing a new turbine or a new new long duration battery it makes sense to start where it's a little bit easier in the digital space making a digital twin of what you think you're going to make and then start running iterations and scenarios to fine-tune it before you start investing into that hardware prototype. Right, I mean, the fun, correct, I mean, the, the, yes, the cloud helps with these foundational things, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, logistically, it's faster to develop your product and, and you know, have, you know, faster access to data uh, and reduce your costs, you're faster, you're able to scale up and scale down as needed. But I think the higher value is, is again, it feeds back to innovation. It, um, it um, uh, speeds the ability to innovate mm-hmm. because it allows uh, organizations to uh, experiment faster. You don't have to deal with all the, the mundane tasks that you otherwise would have had to deal with. Yep. And you're able to simulate things much faster so you get to uh, a, a better quality product or solution. Um, and so it is, it is that. It's, abil- it's, it's the, the ability to deploy... Uh, uh, experiments faster, yep. and then move from there to uh, to production in a way that otherwise it would have taken you, you know, years and and yep. and, and ten- decades maybe to to get to that point. Yep, yep, yeah. And it is it's fun to to talk to startups that are kind of in that year fifteen right now who have before before having the ability to run cloud computing or the the know-how or understanding to try and make these large digital models of their idea. They've gone through four, five, six iterations of a physical prototype and, and they are successful and they have pilot projects and it's, it's very exciting what they're doing. But ultimately now somebody could come in and say, I've got an idea for that same area and they could get from idea through 20 iterations all in the cloud, and then prototype, say, within a significantly shorter period of time. Yeah, from idea to market um, uh, much, much faster in a way that wasn't even uh, conceivable, you know, five years or 10 years ago. Yep, yep. So I know you mentioned several of the companies from 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 the first accelerator group. Are there any others that that you wanted to highlight or mention that were really great success stories? Look, I think, um, I mean, all the 10 participants were, were um, 
game changing in their fields uh, from hundreds of, of the startups that applied and uh, uh, over 40% of them went on to be uh, mentioned in um, the top 100 uh, uh, climate tech uh, changing organizations in the world wow. and to uh, also secure more investment. Um, and so they're all focused, uh, and I can name all of them because I'm proud of all of them. <laughs> uh, so I can think of Ethos Gen, and I can think of Utility Global, and I can think of um, um, Smart Pulse and Smart Helio, um, mm -hmm. from Switzerland to Spain to Turkey. Um, and I'm sure I'm missing uh, one or two off, off, off the list. <laughs> uh, but we really connected very well during the program we learned a lot from them, they learned from us. Um, and ultimately, I think the rewarding thing is that this is aligned fully with our mission uh, mm -hmm. around sustainability and around our own goals for net zero carbon for by, by 2040. Yep. Um, and so in our, in our thinking, uh, we were also thinking about, you know, how do, they, do these startups uh, change you know, the entire industry? Um, and then we eventually benefit from that as well as, a, yeah. as, a, as an organization. Yeah. So typically at this point, I would ask some type of, of forward-looking statement or something, something future-looking. And obviously for something like this, I would have asked, what is your favorite technology from the startup? But as a, as a, a parent, I have a three-year-old at home, I realize that is very much like asking a, a parent, which is your favorite child? So I'm not going to ask that. But instead, I came up with this. What are you most excited about for this upcoming accelerator program? Yeah, it is a tough question to, to talk about the, the favorites <laughs> um, because I, I, I think they're all unique in their own ways uh, and, and in their learning journeys as well and, and their uh, authenticity and, and, and uh, curiosity to learn and, and you know just be open to feel like this is a, a, a safe space where they can talk about uh, about certain things so and they're all changing uh, things uh, with their own customers at a certain level and so um, what, what I'm what I'm more most excited about in this uh, new uh, accelerator is the enthusiasm uh, and the uh, the I would I would guess the visibility that that something that started as, as an experiment that was a really a collaboration between uh, uh, the public sector uh, arm of AWS and the private sector uh, along you know uh, different industries. It started with uh, with this experiment of let's try this in energy, let's try this in healthcare oh. and life sciences. And the fact that we took on that, um, that approach and yep. we were able to, to evolve it uh, to the next level, um, to build on that visibility we got, uh, to get the startups even more exposure yep. and to, to be even more targeted about their needs uh, and, and even get more, um, I would say, uh, organizations that can change the, the status quo to be involved yep. and to believe that this is something that is worth getting involved, involved in, uh, including um, you know, uh, getting support in terms of visibility yep. and, and general guidance from our Climate Pledge Fund uh, uh, team and others that I can also name um, that, are, that are involved in supporting the, mm -hmm. the, the program. Yeah, that's... 
it's really exciting and it's it's cool to see how it was an experiment as you said that started to see and try and solve problems for your clients and also facilitate and expedite the new technology development that we need in order to hit net zero yeah and to see i mean to see obviously in a humble way we say it but to see that you know our customers reaching out to us to say how can we be involved? Yeah. Uh, uh, innovators and startups and investors reaching out and saying, look, I think we would like to be involved, would like yeah. to help. Uh, and I think that's a good validation that this is something that is working, that this model works, uh, that you know, eventually it will, make, it will uh, make a difference. Okay, so if somebody wants to apply to be in the Accelerator program, where do they go? When's the deadline? How do they apply? Yeah, if you're a startup that's ambitious and wants to change the world, uh, you can apply today. Uh, applications are open until April 4th. Uh, and also, if you're an energy organization that wants to dive deep on solving their challenges in clean energy, please also reach out to us. Um, and for more information on uh, AWS Energy and the Clean Energy Accelerator, uh, you can go to aws.com energy. All right. Great. Well, with that, I think we should jump into the final questions. These are a little bit different, maybe a little bit more fun. Earlier today, I was recording with somebody. He said he had fun the whole time. So maybe these are not as fun questions. I don't know. <laughs> but the first question is, what is the most important book you've ever read? This is a tough question. Uh, I can think of several, but I think... Um there's a couple that I can uh, that I can name. One is uh, Rebel Talent uh, by Francesca Gino. Uh, I think uh, it resonates a lot with me because it talks about what rebel talent is. I think okay. a lot of startup founders uh, have that in them. I think a lot of leaders need to develop that sort of uh, that skill uh, or characteristic. Um, and it's almost like... Uh, uh, a call for belonging to say, you know, being a rebel is actually something unique and what, yeah. what, what makes you stand out of the mediocre. Um, this is one of my favorite books. Uh, another um, book that really inspires me is called uh, Lead and Disrupt uh, by Michael Tushman. Uh, and it really talks about uh, this... Um, this kind of uh, tension between two forces of of exploring and exploiting like the the power of of having to change your organization while maintaining your core operation which is a very hard thing to do for yeah. bigger organizations uh but there's a lot of learnings that you know any any leader <laughs> in any organization can get from understanding the constructive value of maintaining yeah. that tension yeah those both sound like really good books and ones that I will have to add to my list. The next question, when will we be net zero as a society? I think possibly faster than we think. Uh, and again, here I'm, I'm totally speculating. Uh, yeah. uh, but I think, you know, obviously the, the, the major developments that are happening uh, geopolitically, uh, economically, uh, the, the health level... Um, they're all bringing in elements that we would have never been able to anticipate and they're changing the picture dramatically in a way where we couldn't even visualize uh, in the sense of thinking that, you know, we have a lot of time to change and then 
you know, we get to figure out we've got to change very quickly, whether we had to change digitally after the pandemic uh, to be able to survive and connect and maintain yeah. our business or whether we need to, um, to diversify our energy resources. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think that, that, that may happen sooner than, than, than we think. Yeah. At I, least I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful yes, that we do. Yes. I, sooner I, than 2040. Yes. I hope. I think that that is a, a good view in it. And that's something that most, I have, I think you may be the first person to have put it that way that we don't, we are just now realizing just how much we need to innovate and we're seeing the impacts. And that is adding this, this impetus or this, this, this sense of urgency to the energy transition that there's there's a lot of momentum, but now I think people are realizing that it it's not just momentum. They need to go faster, and I think that's a very that's a very human human aspect that that isn't thought about as much unless the the obvious uh, the obvious examples people always give is if you live on the coast, you actively see the ocean rising, and that is a problem. Whereas me, I live in the middle of Texas, up in Dallas. You don't see the ocean rising, so it's not as relatable. But you get you get you get flooding and you get yes. hurricanes and and you, you feel the impact. And so it is a human. I mean, ultimately, it is something that impacts us at the yeah. human level, and that's that's why I think it's exciting in terms of the opportunity for this to change lives, to to mm-hmm. you know give. Um, access of energy to people around the world but in a way that's more um um more i would say not just affordable but more uh, equitable yeah. i mean it's an opportunity for us to rethink uh, the old system of energy leverage the things that we've 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 uh, learned from it yeah i mean it's 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 happening on the shoulders of the older energy yeah. system right and that's still sustaining the world at the moment yeah. and and um uh, but I think it's something that is exciting because it has, has a, an impact on, on all, all our lives. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So the last, the last question is, do you have a question for me? Uh, I mean, I, uh, the, I guess I'm always curious to, to hear about what, uh, what are people's own personal philosophy to sustainability and clean energy. And I, I normally, I love to ask that question, um, uh, when we're bringing new people into the team, because I, I get to gauge uh, what what Where drives them, and, yeah. and you know when things get you know when things get tough, and things will get tough, and and uh, across across work uh, the work yeah. environment, what's what's driving you? So I'm I'm curious about what that means to you and people in general. Yeah, yeah. So for me, the what drives me or what sustainability means to me is a more symbiotic relationship with the earth and utilizing what the earth provides for us in a in a safe sustainable in a long-term way so that that it is not something where i am just taking 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 but it's something where my son will will be able to have the same experience on earth that I have had. I had Chief Gale on during October, November timeframe. 
She is the chief of the Fort Nelson First Nation up in Canada. The way that they look at life is not for your children or your children's children, but they look at it for the next seven generations. And I think that's a really good perspective that it's not really, it's not really about me. It's about me being and having a healthy and enjoyable and I guess comfortable life in a, a, a high quality standard of living. But it's also, it's not just about me. It's about my children being able to have that and my children's children being able to have that. And even, even out seven generations, can I, can I do something now that will provide and make a better life for children and families and my, my lineage that I will never get to meet? That's awesome. And I think we owe it to ourselves and, and, and the planet to have this long-term view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On that note, thank you for joining me today on the show. Before we sign off, is there anything else you want to say? Anything about the accelerator or just anything in general? Um, we're, we're really excited. We're, uh, a lot is changing in the world. And I think with change comes opportunity. Uh, you know, looking at the silver lining of things, uh, we don't know what tomorrow holds and we're always adjusting we're always learning uh what we're saying is the model of the clean energy accelerator today is definitely going to be different tomorrow and as we learn more and as we also adjust to the realities of the world um and uh that's part of the dynamic nature and and that's mm -hmm. part of what we're embracing here uh, and i think it's going to be uh, an exciting journey full of opportunities and also challenges and we're, we're up to taking on this challenge. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Well, thank you again, Hassan, for joining me. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode of the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast. Please do me a favor. Give me a five-star rating and leave a review. Doing these two simple actions will help these stories reach a wider audience. If you want to hear more great energy stories and keep up to date with the energy industry, connect with OGGN on LinkedIn or visit OGGN.com. And if you're in the Houston area, go try out the Canon, mention OGGN, and they will give you a free day pass. While I may not be there right now, I usually am when I'm in Houston. And don't forget, it's where we host our monthly OGGN industry mixers. Finally, if you have any questions, comments, corrections, or a story that you want to share, send me an email or find me on LinkedIn. And until next time, remember to keep it low carbon and high energy. Join us again next week for another low carbon, high energy story on the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.